I just want to just say this. I want to say this. Look at it on the screen and say this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. I really want you to just say, Holy Spirit, I want you to bring this phrase alive in my spirit. Speak something to me from this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And if I encourage you one thing this week, memorize that verse. Feed on that verse. There's so much truth in just those few few words. Yep. Um, you know, it talks about it appearing. You know, in, in the Old Testament, Jesus tried to speak to us through the prophets and tried to speak through the men, um, you know, just directly, you know. And the people were stubborn and hard and just didn't want to hear it and rebelled. And so when it says the grace has appeared, it's like Jesus came in the flesh to show us and say, I'm going to walk with you all, show you how to do this thing. Um, that way it's not you know, something where you can say, well, I, didn't, you know, I, I don't see it, I, I don't believe in it. It's like when it says the grace appeared, I mean, he walked it out and showed them like time after time how this grace works, you know, the uh, the woman caught in adultery, you know, who's condemning you? Uh, they are. Well, who's without sin? Cast the first stone. I guess I can't. Um, it's like, well, I don't condemn you either. So go on and don't sin anymore. It's like that grace appeared, and it's like when you see it in action, now we have that opportunity to say, oh, I see how it works. And that should be us. I mean, we, we should be setting that example as Christians to say, I, I extend grace to people. Um, you know, how, how people should be asking you, how are you not mad about that, how, what that person did to you? I showed him grace. I just forgave him, and we move on. It's like, and I think a lot of the world, they, they, how? They just don't, they don't get it because we're so, we feel like we have a, a vendetta a lot of times or a right to say, well, I owe you one, or, you know, you did this to me, so I'm going to give you the shun, you know, I shun you. I'm not going to unshun. I can talk to you now, you know, and like. Can't see me. Yeah, can't see me. And like Grace says, I have the ability through the Lord, not in your own strength, to say, I forgive you for hurting me. I forgive you for what you did to me. And then the best part about it is you really, after that, treat them like that. Not say, well, I forgive you. And then every time you see them, I'm not talking. Like, did you really extend grace if, if you're still going to act like you have the animosity towards that person? Uh, because then you're really not extending the grace. You may say it with your mouth, but you're not extending it in your in your heart. Um, so if you really want to extend that grace, it has to be a declaration in your mind and heart that says, I forgive you, and I'm really going to treat you like I love you. You, you brought up a good point uh, about the woman caught in adultery, because at the very beginning of that, at the very beginning of that story, so if you think about that, in John, a minute, but it says in John 1, 16 and 17, it says that, that grace and truth are all given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So, so you have Moses representing the law, Jesus representing grace. So here in John 8, in that story of the, the woman caught in adultery, they bring this woman in the very act, and they bring her in front of Jesus and says, Moses and the law say this, killer, but what do you say? So the, the law says one thing, but the person of grace, Jesus, says something else. So 
if you really want to see what God thinks about things, look at what Jesus said. Jesus, the person of grace, everything he did, everything he said, perfectly represented the heart of the Father. And, and if, you, if you read this, 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 this thing, it says, the grace of God that brings salvation is that he brought it to us. And, and we use this term, hey, you got to get saved. You got to get saved. Well, technically, we don't get saved. Right. We receive salvation. So, but we say it all the time. Hey, did you get saved? Did so-and-so get saved? You need to get saved. Well, no, you need to receive the gift of salvation that was brought to you from God by Jesus. And, and it says in John 1.12, it says, As many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So he brings it. You're receiving. It's just what you do by faith. It's not that we go get it, go do anything. That whole thing of getting saved makes me think that, what do I got to do to get it? There must be some something I got to do. That's true. and I, it's, it's such a, that's enlightening because you think if you'd say to somebody, just, just that little terminology switch, did you receive the gift of salvation? That could trigger someone's thought like, like, receive something? Like, get something? Like, yeah. Um, you know, like, I don't have to go and earn salvation. No, it's a gift. You want to receive the gift. Um, and I think that's that's good for a lot of us because if we want to go evangelize, I mean, any any little nugget helps because sometimes we get caught up thinking our words were stumbling over the things. And I, I was kind of checked on that this week, and I even wrote it in my notes because I thought, I say that all the time. You need to get saved. Well, we don't need to get anything. We need to receive, receive what's it. already there. I just need to receive it. See, God's already paid for everything. Grace uh, Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 4, I think it's, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick. Acts, Romans 11, might be verse 6. Verse 6, he says, And if by grace, then it's no longer works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. If there's any little bit of just an ounce of your effort in there, it just becomes not grace. It's either all grace or it's not grace at all. Right. Can't be grace. So we, uh, I just wanted, let's talk about this word appeared, because I know you had it in your notes and, and I had it. I just want you to look at this, and I think I put it on the, the PowerPoint. The word um, appeared in the Greek, epithino, it's only used four times in the whole New Testament. It's used twice by the Apostle Paul, Right here, and also in Titus chapter 3, where it says the love and the kindness of God has appeared to men in, verse, in chapter 3. But the word uh, has appeared means to show up or upon, to bring light, to bring to light, to become clearly known. So here we have the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. So it's become clearly known. It's now become visible. Uh, but the two times, so Paul uses it in, the, in that fashion of appearing. The other two times, I thought this was super interesting, the other two times it's used only by Luke. It's used once in the book of Acts, and it's used once in the book of Luke. And in Acts chapter 27, I don't think I have this, uh, but if you have your Bibles and you want to take note of this, I think it's really cool. So Acts 27, verse 20, this is the story. Now, we're not going to read this story. Uh, but it's a story about Paul when he's uh, taken to Rome and he's been on this ship for almost two weeks. There's been, they've had to you know, throw all the tackle over the side. It's been pitch black out. 
They think they're going to die. In verse 20, it says, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. So this word appeared actually has to become, means to appear or become visible of the sun and of stars. So if you think about that in terms of grace, so the sun, when I started thinking about this, and Lord, I was asking the Lord, just give me a picture of what this looks like. So I want you to picture that grace is like the sun, that it, it, it shines. And the sun always shines. There's never 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. The sun never stops shining. It's always shining. But there's only two times, there's really only two reasons that you can't see the sun. It's either that if this is the sun up here, shining, never stops, that the earth has rotated on its axis, and now I've turned away from the sun. And of course, 24 hours later, I turn back, I'm now. So either the earth rotates, and darkness is the result, right? So when the earth rotates, it becomes dark. Or the only other reason that the sun doesn't shine is that there's a cloud that there's some sort of cloud that's blocking the sunlight. And I was thinking of that in terms of grace, that God's grace being like the sun, it never ceases to shine. It's always shining, it's always on, and there's only two reasons that that grace would never be released into my life, because I've either, like the earth, I've rotated away from it, or I've continued to allow something in my life purposely, that I'm not willing to give up that's, that's hindering that from hit, you know, having its effect on my life. And then, so with that, in, with that in mind, look in Luke chapter 1, verse 79, and here's where, here's where um, Luke uses this. He, now this is Zechariah prophesying over John the Baptist. So remember Zechariah loses his, his he becomes uh, dumb where he can't speak, and when he gets his tongue back, he prophesies over his son. And at the end of this, he's talking about Jesus. He says, to give light to those who, two things. So he's saying that the Messiah is going to give light to those who, one, sit in darkness, or two, they're in the shadow of death. There's only two reasons that that grace, that light is not shining. It's because you're choosing to sit in darkness, that you've completely turned away from it, or there's some shadow of death that's, that's, that you're willingly sitting in. And it doesn't necessarily mean physical death. That word death also means any misery that's the result of sin in your life. So you're sitting there. There's grace available for that situation, but you've got to receive it. So good. Hmm. And, you know, and it's, uh, you know, when it, about appearance for all mankind, it's like we, we think, you know, the Jews thought time he was only coming to be their savior. Like he was going to be their king, and that, that was the only reason he came. And like they had a hard time wrapping their head around he was coming for everybody. And I think sometimes, too, we, we, we think, you know, well, right now God's only available for Christians. He's only available for, you know, people in certain demographics, whatever, but like, and we think of the hardened, most hardened person we know or the most remote countries in the world or, um, you know, think that, well, Jesus certainly, they, you know, how do you, how do you tie in that with, with someone that lives in Siberia that's, but, but, but like, he died for that person just as much 
as he did for me. And that grace is available for them just as much as it is for me. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I, I'll be transparent yesterday, you know, um, we I'm trying to get out a word this about being too, um, there was an incident that happened uh, at work and someone got stabbed up and it, I didn't know if it was a staff member or an inmate. Um, and I thought, because the, 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 the message kind of came vague. It was just kind of like, you know, someone needed um, EMT at, at the prison. And when then they said it was an inmate, and I actually said to Christine, I said, is it, is it wrong? Because a lot of people will say, you know, like, oh, thank God it wasn't staff. And it's like, is it wrong to think you're happy that it wasn't staff? And, you know, she, her great point, she said, yeah, it's wrong because you don't know if that inmate, what his standing with the Lord was. I mean, he didn't die, I shouldn't say, but like, if, he, if he's, a, you know, never received Jesus and he dies, we just lost a soul. Whereas, you know, if he is saved, it's like, the, yeah, okay, um, he's received salvation. And, you know, so it's like, but we tend to have that kind of mindset of, you know, if, if someone dies, it's like, oh, well, thank God it wasn't, the, you know, it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, yeah, it, like, the, the, the fact that grace has appeared to all men should change the way we look at all men mm -hmm. and women. Yep. And, and actually, it's the word anthropos, it's mankind. Yeah. So that, I, I think it's a great point that, that Pastor Jay's making is that, you know, we, we play favorites in our mind, like, oh, I'm glad it happened to him and not him. Uh, and you're getting what you, you know, we do it. We, we want God's grace for our situation, but how often are we like, oh, you're getting what you deserve. Yep. Well, grace doesn't give you, it gives you what you don't deserve. Right. It gives you the very goodness of God that none of us deserve. And, and we should, it should change the way we look at people. And I, you know, I often say, um, you know, just on a side note, just a little bit, like, the Bible in G Genesis 1, it clearly tells us that God formed man and that we were all formed by God. And that's why I think, you know, we, we get some of this, these racial divides and, and things. It's like, how can you get, how can it get so convoluted in here? Because, if you truly have the grasp of God created everything in his own image, so therefore, no matter what someone looks like, I don't care if about skin color, hair color, how, you know, where they live from, where they, where they grew up, like, if, they're, if you really have the grasp of God created all man in his image, then that should just, that should eliminate all that. Like, I should never, ever be able to look at someone that's different than me and think something like, well, you're, you know, Yes, it, we appear differently, but it's just like anything else, you know. Water, or uh, cars, flowers, the cloud, like things are just all look different, and we embrace the difference because not everyone likes a red car. Some people like black. Some people like blue, white. Not everyone likes red rose flowers. Some people like yellow, that, you know, that, green. Henry Ford didn't believe that. That's true. You know what yeah. he said? He said, you can have any color Ford you want as long as it's black. As long as it's black, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's like the Model T. <laughs> But, like, it, it's just funny sometimes that we embrace the differences in so many things. You know, like, I like certain kind of, you know, pasta dish. Reggie might say, I don't really care for that one. I prefer this one. But that's fine. But yet, people still walk in this racial divide thinking, well, you know, I'm the chosen one. I'm, I'm this. And, and like, it, but it's the same way here. It's almost like, you know, you think, well, that grace is for everyone. Like, 
doesn't matter, you know, the person that's hurt you the most, the person that's done the worst crime, that grace is still available to them. Um, and we need to share that more. That, Like you're saying, it's available. It's there. Get rid of the thing in your life. Get rid of the, the whatever's hanging you up, whatever they're holding on to. Um, lay it down and accept the grace. You want to know why grace doesn't discriminate? Think about this. Grace does not discriminate because sin didn't discriminate. Right? right? And if you look at Romans 3, I know you had this, you, we're, let, let's, let's just read this. Because the reason grace is available for all is because all have sinned. Sin. And sin didn't discriminate. Each person was infected with sin. And because sin didn't discriminate, grace doesn't discriminate. And I think it's at the end of chapter, let's see, chapter 3, three. it says, verse 21, it says, now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, was revealed, being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who go get saved. No, believe. It's on all who believe. For there is no difference, no difference. For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So because, because all have sinned, you qualify. Yep. So, the great, whoa. so the great news is that because sin didn't skip over you, grace isn't going to skip over you. It's available. Yep. You, if you're a sinner, you qualify. That's true. Yep. It doesn't matter. You know, and you mentioned, I, I, love, I just love that story, the, the John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery. When Jesus said, who among you without sin, cast the first stone. He didn't say, who among you that's an adulterer? So what Jesus is doing, Jesus didn't categorize sin. Right. He didn't say, okay, if you're an adulterer, cast the first stone. He said, if you're without sin. So all sin will keep you separated from God. Yep. So it doesn't matter. You're like, well, I'm, a pr I'm not that bad. Like, I'm not that bad. God surely would accept me. You know, who, who wants to be the best sinner that goes to hell? Hey, I'm the best sinner, but I didn't make it in. I didn't make it in. Well, you qualify for God's grace. He went to the Father, brought it to you. He paid for it. And it's a gift. Yep. You just got to receive it. Yep. And it leads right into Romans 5, 8, that God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. He didn't wait. He came while we were in our sin. Uh, and that's something I think you know, we talked about earlier. It's like we, we need to, people need to really get that grasp that they come to God just how you are. In your mess, in your whatever it is, you come as you are. You don't you know, you hear people all the time, I, I got to get cleaned up a little bit before I come to church, or I need to get some stuff out of my life before I come to church. And it's like, that's the case. You're never going to come because there's always going to be something that you feel is a little hindrance. I mean, so come as you are and receive that that grace is available for you while you are a sinner. What about... You know, a lot of times we talk about grace for salvation when somebody initially accepts Jesus, receives that free gift. But what about that Christian out there, Pastor, that, that's, you know, they're saved, 
They've been a new creation, and they're still struggling in that. They're still struggling trying to do the right thing. Still struggling trying not to sin. Right. I mean, we've talked about this before, too. It's, it's, you know, sometimes we see the instantaneous, miraculous deliverance um, from things. Um, and other times it seems like it's a, it's a path you're on. It's a, it's a struggle. And I, I think it's a message you need to get, we need to really get to younger kids is that once you've accepted a sin in your life, and once you've embraced something like that in your life, I don't care how young you are, uh, pornography, lust, you know, drinking, drugs, uh, smoking, once you've gotten that into your life, that is something now that the enemy will have in his tool belt to use against you the rest of your life. Like, yes, God can set you free from that, but the enemy's always knowing he can come with that temptation and say, you know what, I, they struggled with this before, I'll come get them again, hard. Um, but for some people, it's, it's a process where you really have to, and I think a lot of people think, I have to have this miraculous moment where I see an angel standing above me, and I watch him pull that thing out of my life. But yeah, but realistically, a lot for a lot of people is whatever that thing is. You have to mentally make a declaration and say, when I'm tempted with this thing, like I'm sitting around, and all of a sudden I have that urge. I, I really want to go crack open a beer. That's when I need to pick up my Bible and start reading it. Like I need to just and I, I've told people I don't care where you don't think like well I have to read a certain. Just pick it up and throw it open and start reading. I don't care if you're in Second Chronicles, First uh, John, Revelation. It doesn't matter. Just start getting this word in you. Um, let that pull your attention in instead of giving it to. And you could be sitting there, you know, reading it. And I mean, it's that's it's like so strong. Oh, just go get a beer. Just one beer. One beer. Come on. And and like you're like literally almost shaking. But you have to make that mental. God's not going to literally sit there and, and sit down on you and make you sit still and go. You're not moving. You have to make that declaration and say, I'm going to commit to this. Um, and each time you say, okay, well, I'll give in this this once. I'll go get one beer. Oh, I'll give in this one time. I'm just going to go smoke one joint, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll get right back to this. But each time you do that, it's like you got to recommit. It's almost, you know, it's almost like you're going back to the starting line. And it's like you have to sit there, and, and I've told people, make small goals. Say, for one 24-hour period. I'm not going to give in to this thing. And, and I'm going to commit to reading, reading this word when I feel tempted. Because if you make it sound like I need to give it up and, and read the word, and it, it's this huge process, I think it overwhelms people. Make it small windows, you know, one day at a time. I'm not going to, and then when you get to that end of that one day, it's almost like you feel like your life has changed. Like, oh my gosh, I did it. Um, and if I can do it for one day, okay, I can do it for another day. And then you say, okay, I, I, I'm strong. <coughs> I'm strong. I can do it again. And it's almost like a, you know, someone that's training for some super, you know, event like a marathon or some triathlete. Like you don't sit there and think in my mind, okay, wow, I'm going to run twenty some miles. Like tomorrow, I'm really in for it. No, you think in increments. Tomorrow, I'm going to run two miles. By next week, I should be up to like five miles. Next week after that, eight. You know, and it's like you set small goals. You know, you're getting to that point. And I think we need to do a lot the same thing with this. Is I, I'm going to beat this thing. But I'm not going to rely on, like, yes, God could do some supernatural thing just like that. But in the meantime, I'm going to set my mind to say small goals. I'm going to take one day, I'm committed to this word or worship music, that every time I feel that temptation, I'm cranking on K-Love 
and listening to it, or I'm getting my Bible out and reading the chapter. Um, go from there. Listen, listen to this, because a lot of times we think, you know, I'm going to say, well, you know, I've struggled with this for so long. God, I know God forgave me of it, but I'm, I'm embarrassed to go back. God's certainly not going to forgive me of it again. Have I, have I wasted my allocation of grace? Was there only so much grace for me, and have I wasted it? But I just want to re encourage you. Listen to this. So this is John chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 14, 16, and 17. It says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, going back to that thing of grace appearing. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Now listen, listen what Jesus was full of. It says, full of grace and truth. All right, so Jesus, when he came, was full of grace and truth. Verse 16, and of his fullness, we have all received. So what was he full of? Grace, grace. and truth. Of his fullness, what have we all received? Grace and truth. Now listen to this. Here's the, here's the great thing. So a lot of times we'll read over this. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. What in the world does grace <laughs> for grace mean? Well, let me just give you a quick, quick synopsis. The word for is anti, which means against. So it means grace against grace. Uh, literally, it means grace in place of grace. So that Jesus is full of grace, his fullness never runs out. So that when I come to him one day for grace, that I'm dealing with something today and I need grace, there's grace. And when that's gone, the next day there's grace. And then the next day there's grace. And then the next day there's grace. It's grace in place of grace, in place of grace, in place of grace. It has the idea that it never exhausts. There's no interruptions. There's no limits. It never runs out. And so don't ever feel like I've asked God one too many times to help me here. His grace is inexhaustible. It's grace upon grace upon grace. And it just popped in my head too about, um, you know, just that, again, with us ex extending the same, there's also on the flip side that sometimes we, we have, there's some people that have no problem accepting God's grace. And saying, "Well, I'm I'm forgiven," and I will, and then, but then we don't extend that to anybody around us, <laughs> you know. And I know there's a we had that story in the Bible about that, about you know the man getting his entire debt, you know, um, taken away from him by his master, but then goes out and uh, for one that's a fraction of that, one hundredth of that, and he starts beating on this guy, saying, "You owe me ten bucks, you know, I want my ten bucks," you know. And it's like you've been forgiven a debt of a million dollars, but you want your ten dollars. Um, so it's the same way, you know, we have no problem sometimes coming before God saying, oh, I know you forgive me, God, of this, 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 but then turn around and hold something against this person that's just very, you know, petty, um, you know, and you're thinking, wait a minute. So you have no problem saying that God forgives you of your da-da-da-da-da, but you're holding this against them because they made some, you know, comment saying you were a little bit selfish about this, and you're going to hold that over their head the rest of their life? Like, you know, like extend some grace. We probably, we need to wrap up. Um, so we want to just, should we just maybe read through that real quick? Just make a couple thoughts about that. That grace that brings salvation. Of course, we talked about that before. That's deliverance. That's healing. That's forget. There's all these things that are wrapped up in that word salvation. It's appeared to all men. And it's for all men. And it's for all sin. 
It's for all time. There, there's, there's nothing that God hasn't paid for. And so a lot of times people say, well, if you tell people that, if you tell them God's already forgiven them and what they're going to do, and if there's grace upon grace upon grace, well, then they'll go out and sin. Well, if you truly receive the grace of God in your life, you're not going to go out and do those things because grace is also a teacher. Right. Yep. So why don't you just touch on that real quick, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up. It's, it's one of my favorite things in the Bible, verse 12. It's, it's training us to, re- to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That word training there, is, it's, it's used, and I had that up earlier, and I probably just downsized it. That word is used so many different ways, and it's basically like, when you think of the way you train up a child, um, it's not just, you don't just do one thing with a kid. You, you have to do a multitude of training. You have to discipline in this area, love in this area, extend grace in this area, encourage them in this area, you know, pat them on the back sometimes, whoop them on the butt sometimes. Like, it's, it's the whole encompassed thing. And that's what this word here basically saying. Grace is training us in all those ways. Sometimes right. grace is saying, good job there. Sometimes grace is saying, well, you really screwed that thing up. Um, you know, or sometimes grace says, you know, you handled it okay, but let me show you how you really could have handled that differently. Um, and it's two, two things there first, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, which basically saying, you know, ungodliness, like, a, you know, I deny God's existence uh, or I deny his power um, or, you know, even sometimes you say, like, God can't change me. God can't do anything in my life. You know, that grace isn't available for me. That's ungodliness. Um, and worldly passions, we've obviously touched on that. That's, that's an addiction. There's things that are, you know, controlling your life. Um, but the second part is telling us how to live. Self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Now, and there's, there's different translations that saying some other things you know, soberly, um, you know, right in this life. But I stole from Pastor Fred um, last week. You know, he had the chart this side, but we should have this side. Um, I said, you know, how do you live, you know, if someone's reading this for the first time, how do I live soberly? How do I live righteously? How do I live right in this life, you know? Um, and so I attached scriptures just to say, this is how you do it. Um, you know, if I want to live soberly, which means I have a clear mind, uh, doesn't mean doesn't just mean I'm not drunk. It means like you have a free mind, free of things that are controlling me, free from things that are making decisions for me. You know, Second Timothy one seven. You know, be not. Uh, I don't, I don't want to misquote it. I want to read it how it says. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self control. Um, if you want to live righteously, you know, godly. Romans six verses fourteen through twenty three all talks about that. How do I live righteously? How do I live a godly life? Let me just make a real quick point about that. So right living does not make you righteous. Right. Right? So you become righteous because you put your faith and receive that gift. God makes you righteous. So right living doesn't make you righteous. But once you've been made righteous and you receive that grace, now I should live righteously. So a lot of times we talk about the word righteous means right standing. Mm-hmm. It's your standing before God. This, this actually means right doing. But right doing is a result that I've been made right already with God. Right. So that, Very good. That it's a, it's a fruit. Right living is a fruit of being made righteous. Yep. Which clues me right into the last one, which is, you know, how do I live right? Well, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, you know, if, if you're 
if you're kind of questioning yourself, have I really received this salvation? Am I walking it out? Well, the fruits of the Spirit should be predominant in your life. You know, do you have joy? Are you, are you uh, long-suffering? Are you extending patience? Um, you know, are you kind to people? And if you don't have those things, or people around you say, you don't have those, like, then you might want to think about, like, do I really have this right standing with God? Um, is there still something in me that's limiting me? Or am, I, am I not doing this? Because those fruits of the Spirit should be evident in your life. So like he said earlier, if your attitude is, oh, well, God forgives me of everything, well, then I can just keep living however I want because I have right standing with God. But I'm angry. I don't love on people. I have no joy. I'm, I'm impatient. You know, I'm you know, mean to people. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna <laughs> question whether you made a sincere decision. Yeah, right. right? Yep. But only you and God know that. Right. It's got to be a confession in your mouth, but also a belief in your heart. Um, that's a, it's a two-way street that if you, know, if you only go one way, I just think that, you know, it's, it, you didn't really receive the gift that's fully available to you. So let's just wrap this up. So grace teaches us to deny the bad things that we shouldn't do, right? There should be a time when we turn from those and stop doing them. It teaches me how to live correctly. But then it also says that it, it causes us to look toward the appearing of Jesus. Mm -hmm. that, that Jesus, let me tell you the good news, Jesus is coming back. There will be a time when he comes back to take those that received him and received that gift. He's already brokered the deal. He's already paid the price. It's available. And one day he's going to come back and take those that received that back to be with him forever. Good news. Yep. Good news. And, and just on a little side note, you know, it, it, some guy was talking about this in a message the other day. We were listening on the way home. It's like, he was, I forget how he brought it up, but I'm thinking like, it's so cool to just think at some point you're going to be face to face with the people in this Bible. Like, what are you going to say to like Abraham when you see him, or, or Moses? You know, like what? How do you even begin that conversation? I'm going to pick all hey. the bad stuff they did. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about this. Like, I don't know. I just think it's pretty awesome that right now, like King David's soul is somewhere. Like, you know, like where's he at right now? And like, it's just cool to think that man, David. All right, let's just, I just want to read this verse 14 over you, and then we're going to close. It says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. That means purchase us, pay the price from every lawless deed. So not only did he appear to all men, he's paid for every sin. That he might purify, now get this, he does the purifying. This is exactly what you were saying earlier. A lot of times we come to God and say, oh, I had to clean up my mess. God wants to clean up your mess. So you just got to say, here I am. Clean me up. That's what he loves to do. It says he'll purify for himself his own special people that are zealous or passionate to do good work. So God wants to clean up your mess. He takes pleasure in it. It's what he, he gave his son so that he could do it, and he wants to do it. So if you don't know Jesus, I just want to invite you today. You can make Jesus the Lord of your life today. You can have the peace of God live in you. You can have the Holy Spirit live in you. You can have every sin you've ever committed wiped out, slate clean, and you can be a child of God. You just strictly say, Jesus, I accept what you did for me. I believe that you paid for my sin. You rose again, and I receive it, right? I receive it. It's a gift, and I receive it in Jesus' name. And you believe that, and the Bible says you're a child of God. Father, I just thank you today for your word. I just pray your, your unfailing, unlimited,
grace over every situation. Lord, I just speak grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Grace in place of grace. Lord, for every need, every uh, deficiency, every, every source of bondage, every sin, every lifestyle, Lord, that's not pleasing to you, anything that's uh, an open door to the enemy, I speak grace to it. Just like it says that to the mountain, we speak grace, grace to that mountain. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Have a wonderful week. We love you guys. Bring back.